that's traffic jam Staring at the faces in a rearview mirror Looking at the promise of the promised land One kid dreams of fame and fortune One kid helps pay Destroyer. Only in America. Randy Tobler. Dreaming in red, white, and blue. On News Talk STL. Good morning and welcome to a beautiful, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. As it is summertime all of a sudden. We went from winter to summer, it seems like, in a matter of just a couple of weeks. It's going to be warm out today and uh, hope you get out and enjoy it a little bit. I was out cutting mowing grass for the first time because the jungle grass was so high and had been so topsy-turvy between me not being able to cut when it was dry and then raining when I was available. I had to do it. I had the, I had the headlights on on the mower, Max. It was tough. <laughs> but I got some of it done. I guess people will get out there and start doing some some uh, yardening today, right? Yeah, I think uh, gardening last, and gardening. last Sunday uh, was the first day that I, I mowed the lawn, you know, after the uh, the, the winter holidays. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it's weird. To, uh, the first time is always strange, getting out there with yeah. the mower. And everything is, of course, overgrown. And it takes much longer than it would normally take. But yeah, the, but the yeah. sense of satisfaction, though, I mean, I felt fantastic right afterwards. Yeah. Isn't that funny? And the smell of freshly mown grass. I don't know. It's just that's one of those. It's like fresh coffee in the morning. It's just mm-hmm. one of those wonderful <laughs> odors that you just you just aroma that you want to get more of. Uh, well, welcome to the program uh, in uh in the first, uh, in the second segment today, we're going to be talking with Gabriella Hoffman. Actually, I talked with her yesterday because yesterday, speaking of the outdoors, was Earth Day, and of course, it's Turkey season that started last Monday. And many of you probably have been out in the woods and uh, you know gone after some turkey. Uh, some friends of mine got a couple here at the Liberty Lair last. Uh, well, it was fun. A dad, a very good close friend of mine, a dad and his son, both got a turkey on the same hunt, and that just um, that just tickled me. That was a Chris Matthews moment for me. Uh, to have uh, a dad and his son get turkey on my farm, um, you know, it, it was great to, to see. It's very heartwarming. But Gabriella Hoffman with Independent Women's Forum uh, was talking. We were talking yesterday on my uh, on my show in Mid Missouri. Well, I want to replay that for you because, you know, I think a lot of time environmentalists uh, are are disparaged by. Uh, conservatives and and rightly so because they go over the top right they want to shut down the economy uh build houses out of straw bales with stucco uh stuckins beside them and um you know everyone walk barefooted and yeah that's part of the whole green economy movement that's not what real conservation is and gabriella is an outdoor writer and we really had a great great conversation so i wanted to play that for you because she highlighted how when government gets involved in um miss applying some of the very good laws that we have we have the cleanest air and water on the planet by the way and yet we've been able to do that with a free market economy and maybe that says something when you have enough money to drive private landowners um, you know taking care of their own property and there's public private partnerships um, you know we talk about that so it'll be fun we'll listen to that in the uh, second segment angela plowhead who's a candidate for congress in oregon 
talked with her. I want to talk with her about um, what's going on um, again with the transgender movement. I, I think it's an important topic. I think it can, you know, maybe seem redundant. It can maybe get old. My wife was saying the other day, "How come you're talking about this?" I said, "Because it's fundamental." It's fundamental. If we don't, if we're indoctrinating our children into things that really are um, are just, you know, such a minority. And we'll, when she, I, I want to talk with her about some of the numbers that I've read and um, in terms of the actual incidence of transgenderism, because you'd think it was like every other person in uh, teaching school has it and is indoctrinating, and and therefore why are we uh, why are we discriminating against them? That's not the case. It's a it's an extremely fringe minority presence that's being um, that's being espoused by children by two children as the norm. And we're going to talk with Angela about that. Seven oh six seven forty five Virginia Cruda, her weekly uh, sojourn with us. We'll talk with her then. I'm hoping I can get Tim Jones to get up out of bed and talk with us this morning. He had well, a busy. It's early. It's early. I know he had a busy night though on Thursday. I mean, you know, with the, the Defense of Liberty, Paul Kerbin's event there with uh, Donald Trump Jr. and Seth Dillon. It was here. It was packed. So um, maybe he'll give us a reprise on that. That'd be fun. And then, oh boy, at eight forty-five, put on your seatbelts. <laughs> There's a political science professor at uh, Boise State who is getting some hateful. Uh, did you see that, Max? Did you? See the sound on that Twitter? Oh, uh, feed? absolutely! Yeah, yeah. No, I, I have, I have an edited version ready to go. Because, I, I was going to ask you if you were able to edit that because otherwise we can't. It's not for you can't. It's hard for adults to hear it. I mean, and this was screed. posted on December first of twenty twenty one, and that next show that you and I did right before, well, I guess right. it was it was uh, after Christmas before the right, the, right. the New Year's. I started working on trying to get Scott on, and, and here it is, uh, April, and yeah. he's going to be on the show. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk with him about the the pushback he's got because he's it's really he's an anti-feminist and uh, oh man, he wrote a book called The Recovery of Family Life, and he is just staunchly pro-family, pro-traditional, you know, relationships and the whole deal. And um, <laughs> we'll talk. That'll be fun. So, um, well, on all morning, if you want to join in on any of the discussion, love to talk with you. Three one four nine one two one zero one nine. Here on 1019-941 News Talk STL. You can hear us on the app on NewsTalkSTL.com, on your Alexa skill, and like us on Facebook, of course. Um, so, of course, what's in the news? Disney, Disney, DeSantis, Disney versus DeSantis. That's, uh, I guess, at the top of uh, everyone's everyone's uh, talking points uh, these days. Although the market swooned yesterday, almost a 1,000 points down, and... Um, that's another thing that's on my mind. It's how many people I know that were actually before retire, traditional retirement age, you know, pre-65, that during COVID just said, I'm, I'm done. I know a lot of people in the healthcare industry that just really burned out and, you know, they said, that's it, I'm, I'm finished. And they got out and said, ah, it's going okay the way the finances are. My 401k is looking good. Well, not so much anymore. Have you looked at your 401k recently? Don't. <laughs> Don't after yesterday. Uh, market uh, lost what one and a half or almost two percent, I think, when between one point five and two point and two percent over the week, and it's a big deal. Um, and I'm sure Bob and Eric will be talking about it, mm -hmm. um, and uh, on their show on the money after the program because you know what do you do? Where is there a safe harbor? Is it cash in the bed springs now that interest rates are up a little bit? Maybe you know the finally you make a little money on that cash that uh, if you have any. Um, so that's another that's another topic, and then we have some fun things as well. Um, Max, 
Did you know that um, CNN, CNN Plus is going to last just, well, slightly longer than a month? They're, they announced the other day that they're going to shut it down, or it, it was reported anyway, they're going to shut it down mm-hmm. on April 30th, just 32 days after it was launched. Brian Stelter was on, on the CNN Plus feed the other day saying, well, I, I just think it's too early to decide if it was a success or a failure. They didn't give it enough time. Well, that's why they pulled the plug. Only had 10,000 subscribers. Well, you know, I, I think there's a variety of reasons why that was such an epic fail, and it was. <laughs> uh, and I, I think you have to look at the whole idea behind paying for a news service like this. No other news channel has attempted this yet. Uh, in the age of streaming, people love paying five ninety nine a month for all kinds of different things, uh, whether it's HGTV or HBO Max. Uh, but mm-hmm. with CNN... Uh, any of the other news apps, news streaming services are all free. And with CNN launching CNN Plus, they were the first news organization to say, now pay us for this. And the strange thing for, for a consumer is you would be paying for the B team. Because think about it. They're going to put their main anchors on television, mm-hmm. on the yeah. flagship station. So you would be paying out of your pocket for the team that isn't the headlining team. Now, they did get one headliner, of course, from Fox News. They lured uh, um, uh, Chris, Chris Wallace, Wallace away and gave him a ton of money. And this was a big coup for them because Chris Wallace is a very mm-hmm. well-respected uh, Fox News host and Fox News Sunday, of course, legendary show. And they brought him over to be their main pool, like, hey, pay for Chris Wallace now. But once again, I don't think any single news person is going to be enough of a hook for people to say, okay, fine, I'll part with my $6 a month. The other part of this that I think people don't realize is, I brought up HGTV, Discovery actually just merged with Warner Brothers. And so now the Discovery people are in charge of Warner Brothers, and they are... Uh, re-evaluating everything. They are putting uh, all, all of their things on hold. They own the Wizarding World now, Harry Potter. They own DC Comics. So they're retooling the Justice League. And they looked at this and said, okay, we're not opposed to doing a pay news service but it's not going to be CNN Plus. We're going to do something different. So they have said they're going to pay out everybody for the next month, and they're trying to find new gigs for them. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Wallace stays with Discovery. But yeah, to launch something and then to say, nah, never mind, after a month, is a huge epic fail. We haven't seen something like this in entertainment since Quibi. <laughs> well, what Quibi? Wait a minute, you Quibi? You caught one? Caught me. That must have uh, that Quibi. must have opened and closed before I even knew it. What is Quibi? Quibi. Uh, Quibi is a legendarily <laughs> bad idea uh, that uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg had, uh, former yeah. Disney executive who went on to uh, DreamWorks. Oh, and uh, it was the idea of of short entertainment, ten minute television shows that you could watch oh. on your commute. On your telephone. And this launched a few months before hmm, the pandemic, when nobody left their house and everybody wanted long form entertainment and Quibi (laughs) instantly died. It's funny. I never heard of that. I was was thinking you were going to say... I was thinking you were going to say Air America, but I think they lasted longer than a month. Yeah. I mean, but they were short-lived, too. And that it got a movie. That got a movie with uh, with yeah. Robert Downey Jr., as a matter of fact. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Air, it was a comedy movie based on Air America, yeah. 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 Well, uh, yeah, well, now, Fox Nation 
you know, they've been pitching that a lot. That And that's a paid service, but it's not really news. I mean, it's more documentary, I guess, is the way you describe it, right? I well, mean, and the thing is, History Channel and, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of paid information streaming services. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. and something like Fox Nation or even, I think, maybe Red State has a wing of that or, or Daily Wire. Plenty of, of organizations that trade in news have paid subscription services, yeah. but nothing like what CNN w- w- was no. trying to do. And I just don't think people are going to pay for that. I just don't. I mean, again, when you can get CNN proper for free, right. why wouldn't you just do that? Well, and, and aside from just the fact that the format wasn't dramatically different from the broadcast side, the content on the broadcast side was not being slurped up like, uh, you know, uh, cookies and cream ice cream right i mean right. people the, the 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 ratings on cnn were terrible i mean it was just awful and tanking more viewership was terrible and uh and i don't know why in that environment you would you would launch essentially a paid version of the same thing it doesn't make sense to me well and, and and it's one of those things too where you launch a product that nobody wants because i'm sure a lot of people who love cnn were never going to watch chris wallace and a lot of people who loved chris wallace were never going to pay for cnn yeah did you see that? I saw that them having some fun on one of the, uh, I don't know where I caught it. Was it a Twitter feed or something? Things that lasted longer than CNN Plus. <laughs> Kamala Harris's presidential campaign, maybe just a little bit longer. Nice. <laughs> Two weeks to stop the spread. <laughs> oh, here's one. Brief transitory inflation. Yeah, that lasted a little longer than CNN Plus. Uh, Zune. Uh, James Cameron's Avatar's cultural impact. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, some people you know, have had a lot of fun. Just yeah. a, just about a week ago, it was fairly recent. Uh, so I'm a subscriber of uh, lots of different services because it's part of what I do for a living. But I do have HBO Max. And I got a, an email uh, and, and it said, uh, hey, HBO Max subscriber, guess what? You can get a year of CNN Plus for half off. Just, just click here. And I looked at it Ooh. and I thought, nah. <laughs> Even for half yeah, off look for at a year, like, and then like and for then a nanosecond, did, did you look at it? Well, because in half off, you just you know, I'm I'm, I'm cheap, yeah. so I'm like, oh, half off, and then I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's great. Hey, well, we're going to come back and uh, play a a reprise of uh, a talk I had yesterday on Earth Day with Gabriella Hoffman. Uh, I spend a lot of time at the Liberty Lair trying to conserve the land and make it pristine, and we do our prescribed burns. I think I talked. Well, I, I think, yeah, I did. I talked with her about a, a tweet I sent to Gavin Newsom when we were doing our last prescribed burn on our wild prairie grass. And um, anyway, I hope you'll enjoy that because I know many of you being good conservatives do take good care of the land. That's what conservation is all about. But we're sensible about it. We don't ruin the American economy in the process. I'm Randy Tobler. There's Max. We're the Tobler Show here on News Talk STL 101.9941. Welcome home. Randy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer on News Talk STL. I've been looking forward to our conversation on Earth Day today. It is Earth Day indeed with Gabriella Hoffman, visiting fellow at Independent Women's Forum, one of my favorite groups in the whole wide world. How are you doing, Gabriella? Thank you for joining me. I'm doing very well. I hope you're doing well this Friday. I am doing well, and I'm going to go out after the show and take a walk with the dogs and not along the pavement, but today we're going to walk through the woods and uh, through the glens and around the pond in the back of the house and enjoy it and just uh, stop and take in the great outdoors. Um, I'm a biologist by training and uh, almost went into wildlife biology, but uh, then my grandma got cancer, so everything changed, became a doc. But uh, 
to this day, I really am very careful with the land I manage on the farm. When we manage our forest and our woods and our uh, and our streams and our ponds, and I think you wrote a great piece about the future of environmentalism and true conservation. What do you What do you answer to people that say, "Oh, come on, you're you greenie. What are you Sierra Club? You want to just shut down all industry, return to eat granola all day? What's wrong with you? What are you talking about? You're an outdoor writer, and you're quite noted, and you do a lot of freelance work and uh, a lot of various publications. What do you say to people that try to pigeonhole conservationists into some kind of environmentalist wacko sheath? I think conservation is inherently conservative, and that's something I've been lecturing to students and audiences around the country in the last year or so. So I think you don't have to necessarily find that environmentalism is mutually exclusive with the left or one political party. But I shudder sometimes when Republicans kind of echo what happens on the left uh, with respect to conservation policy. But people on the center right typically live out these conservation ideals, and I think we have to talk more about them. And that's largely what I talked about and wrote about in my policy focus, which I believe you're alluding to about the future of environmentalism being conservation. And I think your audience can view environmentalism in two prisms. So there's the true conservation prism, which is what has made this country truly a leader in stewardship, um, energy development, and having a balanced use approach to how we manage natural resources. And then you have this preservationist angle, which really admonishes human impact or human input. Obviously calls for very limited to no use of human input into natural resources management, really scoffs at the notion of capitalism in many instances or wants government to be leading every effort. But I think we have much to celebrate. There's a lot of great things happening largely outside of the federal government, but I'm a little worried about where the federal government is going to go with respect to conservation and peeling away at a lot of the advancements that have been made. Yeah. So, I mean, the bottom line, and you wrote a great piece, it's called, it's under, it's in the policy focus section on uh, Independent Women's Force Forum. And I will, I will place this on our Facebook page and uh, make sure that folks have that on the, on the, the show page. But it, I mean, truly, in order to be good stewards of the environment, it takes a good amount of planning and management skills and money to do it right, to do it well. Um, and and since largely public lands are the ones that often are sometimes the, the blue lands we hear about that get in trouble and, oh, why aren't we doing a better job of that? Well, you know, I think that a lot of people somehow get things all confused and they think that, uh, you know, small and limited government and free markets can't have a very, very important role to play along with the public private partnership that can manage our wildlife lands better. Talk about the, um, I, I was really uh, uh, captivated by your forest management discussion. Um, when I was doing a prescribed burn on my uh, 50 acres of, of, of uh, prairie land that I replanted from, you know, uh, cold season, you know, regular grass um, a few years ago, just last year, I took a picture of it and I sent it to Gavin Newsom's Twitter and I said, this is the way you prevent out of control wildfires. He didn't respond, Gabriella. What do you think? 
It's not surprising he doesn't respond to that. I think he has really kicked the can down the road. A lot of California's governors have. I'm from California originally. I left the state about a decade ago, but I saw, I remember the frequency of wildfires and high intensity fires, even where I grew up in Southern California. From a distance, I would see it, but I would always see the news coverage. But California has a problem, and because of preservationist policies, which don't call for prescribed burns, mechanical thinning, or overall forest management, they're in a very big predicament with having these high-intensity fires. I just saw a statistic recently that said that 20% of sequoia trees near Sequoia National Park and in that region in Yosemite have been destroyed in the last few years because of the lack of management. And you look in contrast from California to, let's say, the state of Florida. Florida has actually put out a regimen and really piloted prescribed burns. It's codified into Florida law from 1990 about prescribed burn technology. Much of the East Coast has followed Florida. That's why you don't really hear much about wildfires being a big, big issue. There are certainly some that pop up, but far less frequently than you see in California. But Florida is now actually a template even for California. A lot of the managers there have said, we actually have to look to Florida for techniques and for hmm. prescriptions about how to fix the for- So even California lawmakers, not Newsom himself, but some people high atop forestry and some of the other related agencies have said that we actually are going to give a little bit of a win to Florida and look to them, but it's a little too late in certain regards Yeah, for them. And but what's maybe it? they'll change it, change a reverse course. What's ironic is, you know, uh, Brian and I were talking when, when we started talking about the whole uh, uh, fuel prices going up and how we really, with the Biden energy policy, isn't it ironic for all the folks that want clean air, we suddenly traded our clean natural gas and cleaner oil, you know, crude oil, for the dirty sources abroad, uh, you know, not to mention the economic impact that it's had, you know, with his with his policy. But a similar kind of a thing, government policy, letting wildfires go with this preservationist model rather than prescribed burns actually releases more pollution into the air. And yet they don't recognize it in legislation. Can you unpack that a little bit? Absolutely. There's actually a, the Clean Air Act has some faults. It works, needs to be properly implemented. But actually, prescribed burn smoke is three times less toxic than smoke that emanates from high intensity fires. This has been recorded in many scholarly journals uh, from reputable institutions. I can't recall off the top of my head the one that I cited. I think it's abbreviated the IOP. Uh, but the, I think it's the Institute of Physical Sciences, but it's IOP, and you can find a prescribed burn and forest management there. But they talk about how actually prescribed burn pollution is three times less toxic and problematic compared to high-intensity fire smoke. And so there have been reforms to uh, get Congress to reform the Clean Air Act to regulate things a little differently. So you're not punishing prescribed burn smoke as much as you would, or um, rather more so focusing their efforts on smoke that comes from these high-intensity fires. So there is reform that is currently being molded and being considered, but that's something even preservationists and environmentalists are starting to acknowledge in terms of the fact that the smoke is a lot more, I would say, powerful and more impactful yeah. adversely uh, with with this uh, uncontrolled fire. Well, and and the thrust of the argu- of your paper, and what I want folks to, to take home is that, you know, we conservatives 
are limited federal government only for the enumerated powers and only the things that the federal government absolutely has to do and leave matters in almost every case to the states and to private people to deal with. And I think you have example over example of how that is the right way to go. Um, Talk to us about top-down governmental policies not working and being a hindrance to environmental progress, like the 2015 King gold mine spill and the Flint water crisis. How does our present top-down command and control from D.C. type of uh, structure actually impair good conservation? You're absolutely correct. And like in those instances that you just cited from my paper, where the government got involved here or created problems, it was very, very bad. Let's say in the Gold King mine spill, 3 million gallons of water were tainted. And it took the Trump administration, EPA, to rectify the problems, to address concerns from lawsuits, to uh, kind of patch things up from the previous administration, the Obama administration, which had touted being for the environment. And that was one of the worst things that, uh, one of the worst environmental disasters in recent memory. And uh, what we're now seeing, let's say, transpire in this administration, most recently they said that they will not keep the NEPA reforms. NEPA is a a regulatory framework to speed up processes uh, when it's reformed properly to allow for certain projects to proceed and to not be stopped by certain roadblocks from, let's say, they want to have carve-outs for environmental justice and climate change and other provisions that make it harder for you to build up infrastructure, perhaps, uh, construct pipelines to implement forest management practices, things that sort. So most recently, they even peeled back a lot of the reforms that were to make the laws more impactful. So we see the federal government under this administration, unfortunately, not wanting to have laws that are in the books work as intended. Another example is the Endangered Species Act. The law has done a phenomenal job of preventing the extinction of species threatened or endangered. However, it's not properly implemented on the delisting component. It's only delisted successfully about 2 or 3% of listed species, and that is not a good indictment of the law working as intended. So we have good laws in the books. They've been weaponized in many instances, unfortunately, but when they're working as intended, and typically under Republican administrations, they do. They tend to streamline things more. They tend to get off the backs of regular Americans, and they're not being clouded by red tape or lack of implementation. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's really important for people to to hear this. And again, we're talking with Gabriella Hoffman, visiting fellow at Independent Women's Forum, and we'll uh, we'll place this on here because I know a lot of folks uh, either you know have land that they uh, want to take good care of, or you know are interested in conservation in general and making sure that our that our wild places are kept as pristine as can be. Do you have any thoughts, just on a broader scale, on a global scale, about the notion of Western countries, especially the United States, um, falling on the economic sword, if you will, and I'm thinking about the uh, Paris Climate Accord here, um, when there's Mm -hmm. really very little regulation of major, major global polluters like China and uh, India, uh, for instance. And how how do you process that? I mean, just because they're doing the wrong we should do it, I guess. But on the same token, how, you know, how do we how do we lead when they don't want to follow? Let's put it that way. I don't think we need to, let's say, distribute our leadership or perhaps shrug our responsibilities. We're put to a very high standard and we have a lot of great standards and we are truly the leader in conservation, as I talk about in my policy focus. But we don't need a 
agreement, like the Paris Accords, to compel people to act, to have clean water, clean air standards, to conserve land, to protect certain wild spaces, uh, to keep certain things going, to have balanced use, to produce energy cheaply and cleanly without having to wreck the economy in the process. But these countries are kind of given a pass and they are saying, well, if the United States is in the Paris Accord, it's going to compel them to uh, have their mission standards met have other things fulfilled, but these countries don't really care. They're very, I would say, uh, kind of, they disregard a lot of environmental quality and they're not held to the same account. Russia, for example, China as well. Uh, they could do the various different things, but they uh, produce energy a lot more in a dirty fashion. They don't have the same standards like we do, but where we differ from these countries who pollute and also don't have the same type of economy like we do, even with the problems with government and a lot of intrusive policies and top-down kind of ethos we currently have, our economy can still come up and kind of make up for the difference. The, the market or whatever semblance of the market we have exists here in this country where private individuals and entrepreneurs can actually lead conservation efforts. And we're seeing that now about 50, 60 years since the environmental movement first took hold. It was very government kind of oriented movement. Now we're seeing individuals and companies, more specifically entrepreneurs and, and smaller entities, fixing environmental problems, Don't not needing to look to the government for inspiration or to be incentivized by the government. People want to change things on their own because they realize there are shortcomings with relying on government wholly to fix the environment. So I think we differ from countries where we can act to rectify a problem without being compelled or coerced to do so. Other countries don't have that luxury and they're often kind of ignoring environmental standards. My family came from the Soviet Union and I always heard stories growing up and I've seen even evidence of it myself documented comparing and contrasting our country, which is more free enterprise in nature versus these collectivist societies like where my family is from. And the Soviet Union had the worst environmental standards. There was pollution everywhere. Rivers were unclean. In parts of modern day Russia, there are there's one of the most toxic lakes out there. I think it's Lake Baikal or a similar lake in that region. And they have some of the worst practices. It's really shrouded kind of in a propaganda kind of campaign. Sometimes they always talk about Russia having great natural resources and same with China. A lot of environmentalists like to say that dictators somehow have great standards for the environment, but we can look, we, we can ignore their human rights abuses, but still applaud them for their so-called conservation efforts. So we don't have to worry about committing crimes against humanity in the United States so much, but still have good environmental standards, but also compel and motivate people to change things on their own. And I think that's where this country can head to if we're not kept back by government. Yeah, great idea. And it's, it's, it's great to have you on this Earth Day um, really connect conservation in the right way with letting private landholders uh, work with, uh, I know here in Missouri, we work with, I work with a conservationist on my farm, a wildlife biologist, and uh, we work together to improve the land. It's it's gratifying. It improves the land, probably improves the value of the land and uh, makes it more attractive for wildlife. And when we take a walk, we see more, you know, so, um, and I, I, I'm as conservative as they come so uh conservation does go with conservative go go figure gabriella hoffman thank you very much again the piece will be up on the randy tober show facebook page and uh, we thank you for writing this and uh, happy earth day to you and the best in the future appreciate thank you so it much for having me yes likewise right. happy earth day to you as well 
There she is, Gabriella Hoffman. You know, one of the great things about going out to Advanced Dentistry of St. Charles, and I do that every six months because I'm a good boy taking care of my teeth and my gums, like Dr. Jay Omas, and when I see him, Dr. Dan Cusimano, too, the new associate out there, uh, when I see them and I see April, who usually takes care of my dental hygiene, I get educated, I get reminded how important that is, I don't want to get uh, gingivitis, I don't want to get dental disease, I don't want to get periodontal disease, that's the kind of work that they do, they help educate you, they do a thorough exam, and then of course, all of the regular work, as well as the high-tech work, if you need it, laser dentistry, fast braces, clear aligners, dental implants, cosmetic dentistry, even therapeutic and cosmetic options like Botox and dermal fillers. Uh, They haven't figured out a way to give me hair yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe. You never know. Hey, get to know them and all they have to offer by calling 636-978-0226. That's 636-978-0226. Or check them out at AdvancedDentistryNow.com. That's AdvancedDentistryNow.com on the web. Advanced Dentistry of St. Charles. Fabulous practice. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that little uh, detour there from the hard politics into something that's in, it's an interesting discussion. I, we like to talk about the greenies and the environmentalist wackos, but truly I believe that we do live conservative lives in terms of the stewardship of our land, both, you know, the way we treat our own properties and also the way we, um, you know, like to have good stewardship of the air and the water and make sure that our kids live up in a healthy environment and us too. So uh, it's fun. It's fun to talk to Gabriella. I love that group, Independent Women's Forum, uh, IWF.org. It's really a great group. Try to talk to them regularly. Well, I wanted to play for you an ad that was uh, really creating a lot of stir in political circles. Perhaps you heard it. I think we've talked about it in various various, uh, programs here on Newstalk STL. Um, This is an ad where Vicki Hartzler is fighting back against what she says was a misrepresentation of her voting on illegal immigration by the Greitens campaign. Let's listen to it. I'm Vicki Hartzler, and I approve this message. Have you seen this ad? Back to plan to grant amnesty to more than one million. It's a lie. From Eric Greitens. That's what he does. The bill he's talking about? It's President Trump's bill. All the Democrats opposed it. $25 billion for the border wall, no amnesty, and it cracked down on sanctuary cities. If Eric Greitens had any honor left, he'd apologize to President Trump, and maybe a few other people, too. I'm Vicki Hartzler, now, and I approve this message. <laughs> I have to tell you, um, I, I was at a I was at a Boone uh, at a Boone County Lincoln Days uh, just a few weeks ago, and Vicki Hartzler spoke, Billy Long spoke, Mark McCloskey spoke, uh, Greitens was invited, and the, the MC, <laughs> who's the morning show host there in Columbia, was like, "Is Eric Greitens in the audience?" We didn't get a response. <laughs> And there were a couple of giggles, and that was it. I mean, the room was silent. It was like crickets with two giggles, and that was it. And um, Brightens wasn't there. And um, so I heard this ad, and I reached out to the Greitens campaign, and I left a very cordial message. I said, hey, you know, this seems askew to me. I, I'm all for it. If, if you made an allegation that Vicki Hartzler cast a vote endorsing a million illegal immigrants to have amnesty, please, you know, tell me where she's wrong when she says that's a lie. I, I'm a truth seeker. You know, we're, we're, we're truth warriors, right, Max? That's what it's about. That's what we do. No, seriously, and I wanted to talk to to the ex-governor. I, 
I had a very nice interview. I was really, really, I don't know, thrilled. I mean, it was almost a Chris Matthews moment. The week before the 2016 election uh, out there at St. Charles Republican Party, we did a remote uh, headquarters. We did a remote from there on the show uh, the week, uh, Saturday before the vote, and had a great interview with the governor. It was a rousing uh, support that he had. Uh, my wife spent some time with his now ex-wife, and I thought, wow, this is really, really, this is a Camelot moment. You know, it was really super. And then everything fell apart, obviously. And he had to resign, and and he's just gone AWOL. I mean, we've reached out to him. No one can get him to come on. Um, please, if, if anyone out there who has uh, inroads to the campaign, I truly want to get his side of the story on this particular ad. Or if and you're I listening right now, Mr. Greitens. No, no, seriously. Yeah, that great idea. I mean, the, the 314-912-1019. Give us a call. Stranger things and maybe. Happened. That's right. And you know what? There are people who may be listening who are Greitens supporters who may understand why this allegation was made that Vicki Hartzler is pushing back against. I think it's a brilliant ad. First of all, it's, Vicki I, really impressed me at uh, at that Lincoln uh, days uh, out in Boone County. I was something about her poise, her gravitas, but yet her... Um, down-home style all at the same time was very, very impressive, I have to say. Uh, I've interviewed Eric Schmidt as well. We're going to want to get him on the program again. I want to get Vicki Hartzler on the program. I gave her my card, told her that uh, you know, we'll be reaching out to her you know, as the, uh, as the uh, campaign heats up heading towards the August primary. Um, again, Eric Reitens, uh, Billy Long. I mean, I want to talk to everyone. But if, if anyone knows where that accusation came from, please uh, let us know. There we never want to conceal the truth, but we always want to expose a lie. That's what we do. At least we do our best at it. Well, I got pretty excited because the phone rang. And not that I'm uh, not excited to talk to Caller Jim, but it's not Eric Rydens. But Caller Jim is ready okay. to go. Let's talk to Jim. How you doing, Jim? Welcome to the Randy Tobler Show. How, how are you doing? I'm good. Hey, um, personally, I wouldn't get excited about either one of those two. And, and here's why. Um, Greitens, you know, he gets all his money from this billionaire up in Chicago. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's kind of like what DeSantis did the other day in Florida. They, they didn't want uh, California politics coming to, uh, well, they wanted to kick it out of, I guess I'll say, kick it out of Florida. I don't want Chicago politics coming to, coming to Missouri. So, you know, Greitens is, he, he, like you say, he's persona non grata. And he doesn't seem to really care about the, the, the voters here. I, you know, I don't know what this guy's up to. Um, hard well, there to is hear. a core constituency, though, Jim. A lot of a lot of the listeners to this program will, uh, you know, you, you talk to people, you know, and uh, have a cup of coffee, and a lot of people really will uh, endorse his line that he was a victim of a conspiracy, that uh, he was a change agent, and the machine, the establishment Republicans, the rhinos just didn't want any part of it, and they conjured up all of these uh, stories, you know, and yeah, he admitted I, to the affair, but, you know, the rest of it's all a bunch of hooey. I mean, that's, the, that's his argument. I agree 100% with him. <laughs> I really do. Except, anybody that takes money from a, a, a power broker, a political power broker in Chicago... There, there's something there that, that smells, and he's got to come completely clean before I'd ever even think about supporting him. 
Why do you think he won't come on and talk to anyone at News Talk or me or you know? Or I haven't I haven't endorsed. Yeah. yeah, I haven't endorsed any campaign, any any particular candidate. I mean, I make my comments. I I saw Billy Long speak. Oh, he's an auctioneer who's a you know a swashbuckling you know politician. That's fine. Uh, I think Mark McCluskey he he was razzmatazz, you know. And I I talked to him. I'd like to get Mark on the on the show. But you know why wouldn't why is Eric Greitens gone dark? Why has he you know gone into obscurity? I don't understand. Except for the the, the messaging he controls. That that could be, but I, I hate to say this because I love the guy now. Hawley did the same thing back in 2018. You know, he he wouldn't go to any of these uh, forums or or any of that. He just he just stood back and said, "I'm I'm in the lead, and I'm not talking to anybody." Um, well, you know, I, I I haven't I haven't come out vocally with this yet, but I am beginning to be a little frustrated. Well, I'm not just a beginning to be, but. Um, Josh Hawley, when he was running, uh, wanted to be on every show that he could be on. And then when he got elected, you can't reach him. And I have reached out to his people uh, who, who actually asked me a lot about health care. But you can't talk to the man himself. That's troubling to me. That's right. very troubling. When a candidate, when a, when a politician is cloistered and surrounds himself you know, by people and is insulated, th- that kind of, it's, it, it, it smells of ambition that I think is not, I don't know. It just, and I I like Josh Hawley's positions. Don't get me wrong, but again, I think it it could lead to a little bit of an of a of a view of arrogance. You know, when you just when you when you're untouchable. That's what that's it's a little concerning. We'll see where that goes. As hey, you Randy, know, the I, I'd like to say one thing about about Hartzler. Um, the the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, she she voted for that. Most everybody did ex- in Missouri, except for uh, I think Jason Smith and Cory Bush. To be be honest, um, the the libertarian people did not. There was a provision in that bill that put the military, the the current active duty military, under red flag laws for 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 gun control. You know the stuff the the left's been trying to put out there for years in the general public where if somebody accuses you of something that, you know, without any due process, you, you've got to turn in your firearms. Hartzler voted for that. It's in the congressional record, so I'm not making this up. If anybody wants to go check on it, please do. Um, that's one thing I, I, I can't support her because of that. Um, I, I think that's that's something. Well, that's hey, a, uh, do me do me a favor. Stay on the line, and I'll have Max give you uh, you know give you my uh, my email address so we can get that. Uh, show me that. Give me that reference, and then we'll ask uh, Representative Hartzer when we talk to her. Okay. I would love to do that. Thank you, Randy. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Hang on the line. Thanks a lot, Jim. Appreciate it. Hey, that's what's fun. I mean, I, we we do want to be uh, forthright. We want to be challenging to candidates. Not and and you have to remember too. Put yourself in the position of a uh, of a representative of a senator. These bills get amended. 90% of them may be exactly what you want, 95%. And, you know, what is it? You know, do you become a single uh, issue um, torpedoer, if you will? I mean, will you reject a bill that is 95% good when there's 5% that you're a little squeamish about? And, you know, what should that 5% threshold be? How onerous does it need to be? How noxious does the smell coming, the stench from the amendment or the particular provision need to be? Uh, remember what Ronald Reagan said, wasn't well, it something like, I'm paraphrasing, if you can get 80% of what you wanted, yeah, you're doing pretty good.
Maybe that was a mistake. I don't know. That's we have to acknowledge at some point that our country was built on reasonable compromise, right? And I, I want to understand the red flag provision that you're talking about. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that. Hey, listen, we've run to the end of this segment. When we come back, we're going to talk to uh, Angela Plowhead, who's a congressional candidate up in Oregon. She's a clinical psychologist anyway. And I want to talk to her about the whole issue of indoctrination of our youngsters. Uh, how much of a problem is it really? How vulnerable are they really? And um, I can't wait to, to have that conversation. Um, so we'll talk to her at the top of the hour. And then coming up at 745, Virginia Cruda, 806. Tim's going to join us, Tim Jones, to give us a, a summary of the uh, the great event, the uh, Defense of Liberty event, Paul Kirpin's event with uh, Donald Trump and uh, Seth Dillon. And then Scott Yanor, professor of political science, 845. Big show. Don't leave us. We'll be back after top of the hour news. News Talk STL 1019 one.